hey, how's it going? You're listening to a podcast. You're listening to the first, you're, you're listening to the first episode of a podcast. And that podcast is called Yes And dot dot dot. My mom's dead, which is, you know, it sounds uh, not funny anymore, <laughs> to be honest. I put a I put a, a joke in the title of my podcast, and that would go against my cardinal rule of never put a joke in the title of something. Um, but I think I just fell in love with it, and now here we are. So this is what you're getting. On the show, I talk to other improvisers and my brother about losing their parents and how it shaped their lives and their comedy and everything in between. That that means nothing, by the way. <laughs> what is in between of life and comedy? It's all the same, man. I really i I have to say, in a on a serious note, the people that came on this podcast. And I will list them at this very moment in no particular order. Irene Walton, Carrie Nash, Katie McDermott, Jameson Scala, Eileen Montilione, Zach Huddleston, Lindsay Mallard, Lauren Robertson, and of course, Daniel Irwin and Tamaker, my brother. I, I'm so, I, the word honored makes me feel gross, but I really do. I am honored that they came on and shared this stuff. Uh, they were super vulnerable and open and funny and amazing and had all these great stories. And I just, uh, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to have it recorded here and to put it out for you people, you people. What do I mean by that? <laughs> Should I re-record it? Cause I said that, oh boy, you know what? Um, you'll hear the same bunch of stories about my mom. Cause I retell them all the time in these episodes and you'll start to get annoyed, not with that, but with the fact that I say, uh, I've told this before, but, and then I go on to tell my story. At least when I listen back, that's what I hate about myself the most. Um, just know that I'm more annoyed with it than you are. <laughs> um, so you'll hear the stories about my mom. Uh, she was truly an amazing person. She was 58 when she died. She was sick for nine years, which you'll hear a million times. Um, I, this is what I guess I chose to do to honor her. And I, I don't really know what else to say. The stories are in there. She was really a special person. And I think everybody will say that about their dead parents as you, as they should. Um, so I don't know if that means anything, but she was really special to me and to a lot of other people. Okay. Done, done with that part. So who's the guest today? The first episode uh, I'm choosing to share with you is Eileen Montelione. So, so freaking funny. <laughs> She's so funny. Uh, and I, there's a lot of laughing on this one, I will say. Um, she really is amazing. And she is an incredible performer and comedic director and teacher and writer and just like one of the funniest all around people I've ever met in my entire life. I so happy to have her on. So happy her dad's dead. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, look, there's a joke for you. Um, what to say about Eileen other than that? Let's see some notes from the episode. We debate what bankruptcy means. And I said in my head, I'll look it up and explain it on the beginning. And you know what? I still, I Wikipedia it for a minute and I got so bored that I don't understand it. So I don't know what bankruptcy is. Um, we talked about her credit 
And <laughs> she said we would Google her credit score and figure it out and post that. I'm not going to do that. That seems weird. Um, a third thing, I steal a joke from another episode. Uh, Irene Walton, uh, who you'll hear later, uh, said this really funny joke. Uh, and then I stole it and put it in this episode and without even knowing when I listened back, I was like, oh, that's not my joke. And it was recorded. <laughs> so there you go. I'm a horrible person. Um, what else? I think that's it. Just just enjoy this. And if you like it, then listen to the next one. If you don't, then you're a terrible person and you don't honor people's losses. OK, cue the music. Nothing wrong with being a little high. <laughs> Starting off with jokes. <laughs> Ooh, so many. I wish they would stop. Eileen Montelione. Am I yes. saying that right? Yes, you are saying that right. Montelione. Yeah. Which where where do you put the emphasis? Is it on the mon? I emphasize every syllable. <laughs> Montelione. <laughs> but it's not it's not like Montelione. No, no, no. It's not Montelione. Like it's not like um. It's sort of like Montel Jordan, Montelion, Montel Jordan, Montelion Jordan. Yeah. Montel um, Williams. <laughs> does, am I led to believe that that is an Italian name? If you're led to believe that, <laughs> it isn't by me. Um, it's Franco-Italian. Oh, tell me about that. Uh, James Franco. <laughs> and the country of Italy. Uh, yeah. No, I, it's uh, French and Italian. So there are... French Montelions and oh. Italian Montelions in and there. Which one is your family? Both? Yeah, I, I, I'm not at liberty to say. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that my, I think they're both, but they came from Italy. Okay. First gen is your dad? <laughs> I'm first gen. <laughs> no. Um, you grew up in Italy? No, I, yeah, I grew up in Italy. I wish. Um, no, my great grandparents okay. from Italy. And are you, where are you from? Chicago. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you knew that, though. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, wait a second. <laughs> no, I yeah. just, I, I guess I, I mean, I obviously knew you lived in Chicago. Yeah, I just yeah, didn't yeah. know you grew that up there. That makes sense, though, because a lot of people have gone to Chicago, but yeah. aren't from there. Yeah, I always forget that, too. You, and you, when did you first start, like, being aware of comedy there, Second City and IO and stuff? What's really funny is, like, I never considered... I guess I was probably aware of it before I was aware I was aware of it. Does that even make sense? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, you incepted yourself. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, but I didn't really get into, like, the scene. The scene is so gross. But, like, didn't start going to shows or, like, taking classes or anything until college. I became okay. kind of, like, obsessed. I was okay. like, what is this world? Yeah. And this this was made for me. I'm, it's like what everybody feels when they first discover it. It's but like, oh. you were probably seeing shows there that had amazing people. in. Oh, it. very much so. Do you remember any of those early shows or like who you saw? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember seeing a show with uh, Keegan 
Michael Key. Yeah. And that was so, so great. His wife was also a professor at my college. Where'd you go to school? UIC, University of Illinois, Chicago. Got it. Shout out. <laughs> what's the what's the mascot? Flames. <laughs> <laughs> cool. It's so cool. They're like, uh, I don't know. So what's cute. Fire is hot, fire? right? Yeah. I mean, the Chicago fire. Is that cool? Should we just do it? <laughs> oh, or? is that what it's from? <laughs> I guess that's, I always assumed that up. it was, but I was like, why would you want to cheer that on? <laughs> Oh my God. So um, Keegan was amazing. He was amazing. He was really, really incredible to watch. And I was like, oh my God, uh, I, this is, I, I, there was something, I was studying theater in college, but there was something that was like magical about seeing him do a show that was also like aware of the audience in a good way. Yeah. And also okay. using that as like, um, know it influenced every move and it felt so organic and effortless versus like i i had felt like and i apologize to anybody who uh feels differently about this but i'd felt like my experience in college theater was very rigid and sure. there wasn't a ton of playfulness when it came to like doing shows unless you were self-producing and stuff but a lot of like the, you know, main stage shows that were, you know, you're required to audition and participate in, um, those shows felt not always like they, they were connected to me, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so when I went to see shows either at IO or even at second city, uh, in Chicago, I was like, this is, this is so interesting. This is something that I didn't know was possible. You know, when you, it's like when you first like learn a, a new word in vocabulary or something and you're still like, doing that. Yeah, yeah, I'm still doing that too. <laughs> oh God, those SATs are coming up. Um, but like you start to hear that word everywhere. It just sort of was yeah. like that. And you're like, wait, has this word been around and people are using it? And I just didn't know about it. Or like when you see a, a car that you like yeah. and then you see that car freaking everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> and you're like, how ubiquitous, yeah. how long has this been everywhere? Sure. You know? Um, and so it sort of felt like that. Then it was like, oh, this person that I know does this, this person does this, this person wants to get involved. And it felt like I, for me, and I'm sure so many people have felt this way. I was like, oh, I'm part of this thing that's like blossoming right now. And it had been blossoming for a while, yes, you like know, the 60s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I was like, oh, wow. What? Wild West. So so you found Second City and I.O. In, in college or I, after college, you say? Yeah. Oh, no, in college. my I, I had started going with a group of friends to the jam at I.O., which was every Saturday at midnight. Sure. Um, and it was a, oh boy, it was like I was living on the far south side of Chicago. And so it, we would get ready and we would leave our place at like 10 p.m. to get there at midnight for the jam. And then the jam would be over at two and I wouldn't get home until four. And it was the dorkiest thing. It was just like, you know, a regular improv jam. They play games and people from the audience can come up and participate or whatever. But I was just like mesmerized. Yeah. So mesmerized. So I'd been going to that like religiously every week. And then my friend, Jillian O'Brien, who's still, shout out Jillian. She She'll will, hear this for she, sure. She will hear this for sure. 100%. <laughs> I was pre-med in college. Whoa. Yeah. I she, didn't. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was a real nerd. Wow. You were smart. Yeah. At one point I was. Um. <laughs> And so she was like, you cannot be a doctor. And I was like, oh, 
I mean, you're right, but rude, you know, like, (laughs) and she was like, no, I'm taking you to go see a show at Second City. My brother got tickets, whatever. So we went there. I was like freshman college. I think I was like 17, totally underage. Yeah. Got wasted. Sure. They didn't give a fuck. They didn't give a fuck anywhere. This was, you know, this was like five years ago. No, um, (laughs) this was uh, early 2000s. So it was like, you know, they were just, they were like, whatever, you're with a bunch of adults. And they just like looked the other way. Sorry, guys, if you're getting in trouble, you're getting in trouble. What, did Second City have a bar? They had a bar. Okay. I've never, oh, I've never been to That's right. Chicago. You haven't been there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can, it's like, um, there's a bar out in the lobby, but you also get like drink service at your table. Oh, it's man. like a cabaret. It's totally different. You could also smoke. I smoked at the time and you could smoke in the motherfucking theater. <laughs> and I was smoking like a chimney. Yeah. And I was like, this is so It was the early 2000s. It That's was what early you 2000s. Did. Everybody smoked. Um, <laughs> And like, uh, I uh, remember seeing that show and being like, fuck, I can't believe I have to admit that I'm wrong and she's right. I can't be a doctor. I have to do this. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was like life changing. Did you like immediately drop out of pre-med and just like become like a communications major? I walked in, we were supposed to be dissecting cadavers and I was like, fuck this. No, (laughs) I just bits everywhere. I, (laughs) I literally, that semester or I had finished out that year and was like, I'm taking my regular classes, whatever. Um, but I had slowly started to kind of drop off and I knew I was like going to transition out of it. I knew that I was like, I'm not really, I don't care. Yeah. And I, I, I it, that was a sad place to be. I should have just been like, Hey, you know that this is true. Just cut it and like move on. But it took me like a whole year to go, all right, take an acting class. Like, it's okay. Who cares if people find out that you're an actor? You know what I mean? Like, that was a huge anxiety filled. Like, I was like, oh, my God, my family. They're just going to be like, what? You're supposed to be. Everybody thought we're going to have a doctor in the family. Oh, my God. Boy, oh, boy. They were so excited. They were so excited. and They're already telling their friends. Oh, my God. (laughs) Since I was a little kid, they were like, you're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a doctor. And I was like none of you guys have even gone to college. Why do I have to be the doctor? <laughs> like, that's how it goes. And so did you, um, you started doing acting in plays in college? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that, and then you, did you graduate with a, Oh my God, it was so bad. It was so bad. <laughs> As an actor? <laughs> At first you're really, everybody's really bad. I've never acted. I just <gasps> do stupid I just, stuff like I've never this. acted. I just am. <laughs> um, it's really awkward, especially when you're like, you've, you're intimidated by people who are actors. Yeah. So you're sort of like shy. I was so shy, believe it or not. Um, and I remember like even auditioning and being like, feeling the pages shake in your hand and being like, I, 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 I can, and people being like, I can't hear what you're saying. And I was like, I'm so loud in real life. Uh-huh. How is it that the second you put a page in my hand, I'm like, I can't speak. Yeah. Was this for, for stage plays that you were auditioning for? Yeah. They yeah. let you hold the pages? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You don't have to memorize it. No, 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 no. When you're doing your, like, if you have to do like a monologue, hmm. then that needs to be off book. But once you get into like doing sides or even for smaller roles and stuff like that, usually you're reading off of pages okay in some capacity anyway yeah yeah i and we will talk about your dad (laughs) i promise (laughs) but i just i'm so interested in this stuff uh, about how you came to be 
in my life. Cause, yeah. um, so when did you, like, cause I know you performed at second city for a while there, right? Yo, in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, yeah. How, yeah. How did that happen? Um, that was so weird. I'd gone like in college, I'd started taking classes at second city, mm-hmm. um, because I'd seen, uh, that show that I was like, I gotta do this. And, um, I started taking classes and like interning and like sort of becoming involved in the community and all that stuff. And, uh, there were a yearly would hold auditions for a touring company and all sorts of other, uh, gigs. And I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. And the year that I went, um, that I got hired, they weren't having auditions in Chicago. They were having them in Detroit. And I think this is probably why everybody always thinks that I'm from Detroit. That's a whole nother thing. Okay. I'm like, All I right. didn't, I didn't know that. But you okay. didn't know that thing. And it's like, there was a whole, but that's where Keegan came from. That's where and Keegan came from, which was also there, right? another funny thing. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, All right, I'm going to go. Detroit's not that far. It's kind of far. Um, but, I got a few of my friends together and we road tripped out there. Somebody knew someone where we could crash at their place. Um, and we were all going to audition and then we were going to stay for the callbacks and then come back home or whatever. And, Oh God, this is like such a nightmare of a story. So I went out there with four of my friends and we got out there. I had lost my phone before I had like a Nokia. Yeah, I was going to say, was it like a brick? It Nokia was like a brick? brick. And you know, that thing I'd probably had for like eight years. Oh, they were never so reliable. It. Yeah. It snake? Snake. <laughs> fucking snake. Oh my God. Yeah. You never, you charge like once a week. Once Incredible. a week. If that. And you were like, damn, I'm on the phone nights and weekends, please. Yeah. That's my minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it just, it, you could throw it down a well yeah. and come back for it a week later, full charge. <laughs> and you're like... <laughs> I'm fine. And this is great. How are you getting to the bottom of the well? Are you lowering the bucket to get it? I dive head first and then I figure out how to get out. Ooh, like improv. Yeah, just like improv. Um, And so I had lost my phone, which was kind of heartbreaking because I was like, I I can't afford another phone. Where am I going to get $20 from? (laughs) (laughs) I was seriously so broke. Not a lot's changed. Yeah. Um, And so uh, we go out there. There's, you know... uh, everybody's sort of nervous. We get into the uh, theater and we're ready to audition and we're filling out paperwork and you have to put down like your number because that day they'll call you if you're getting called back the next morning. And so I was like, oh, fuck. For some reason, I thought I'm going to get a call back, but I don't have a phone number. Right. And I was like, don't think that you're not getting a call back. Get the hell out of here. And I'm like, well, what if though? Right. So I'm like, I don't have a phone. And one of my friends that came with was like, you can put my phone number down. And I was like, okay, all right, I guess. And I'm like, it's a long shot anyway. So we go in there and I, it's me, the group of guys that I went with, and then one guy that I've never met in my entire life. And the audition's like half an hour. There's only like seven of us in there, six of us in there, whatever. And like, I didn't work with any of the people that I came with. I only worked with the guy, Adam Peacock, who I'd never seen before in my life, but we had a lot of fun. We did like three scenes together or whatever. It's just straight improv scenes? Straight improv scenes. Like just fully organic. You get a suggestion and you go. And I think they let us montage or something at the end. Um, And so 
so we leave the audition and I'm like, it felt really good, whatever, but that doesn't mean anything. And so we knew that we were going to get a call at like 7 p.m. at the latest or something. So it's like 6.55 and we're all outside of the place where we're staying, like smoking cigarettes, staring at each other. No one's speaking. We're all like super nervous. We sort of are like, let's just all get wasted tonight because none of us got a call back. We know we didn't, whatever. So then my friend's phone rings and he picks it up. He's like, hello. And I'm like, oh, shit. It's either for you or him, right? Yeah. Well, I knew it wasn't for him. Okay. I knew it was for me, which made it way worse. And I was like, oh, fuck. This is so awkward. So he picked it up and he was like, uh, hello, like super excited. And I was like, this is going to be like heartbreaking. (laughs) And he goes, "Uh, yes, she is. (laughs) And I was like, oh, God. I just knew, not because I was confident that I had done so great and that it was that, it was like, I knew that it was the worst case scenario. Right. I knew that it was like, You'd almost rather it be for him at that point? I would so much rather it be for him. (laughs) I was sitting there like, oh my God, please don't, 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 don't. This is awful. Mm -hmm. So I'd gone there and accomplished what I wanted to do, but in the most awkward, just awful, awful way that you, I was like, this is awful. I did Adam Peacock get a call back? He did. <laughs> okay. Adam got hired too. Okay. I think the same year. And I was going to say, that's why now. you probably know his name. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's so <laughs> weird. If you just yeah. remember that name. I just name. remember his name. No, no, no. And I think, yeah, he just moved out to LA, but I remember being like, oh, this dude got hired at the same time. And so, but they offered me a gig in Detroit and I was like, I don't live in Detroit. I came out here from Chicago. You guys know that I'm not moving to Detroit. I was like, I am still, I think I was still a senior. I just graduated college or something like that. And I was like, I'm in Chicago. That's, that's not negotiable right now. And like, uh, so then they sort of were like, all right, we'll see what we can do. And they offered me a few months later, they were like, do you want to do touring company or do you want to do a cruise ship? And the thing about cruise ships at the time was they were a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money. Yeah. And you could easily get off of a cruise ship and then come do a touring company. Like, you know, that was always an option. So I did it. I, I lived at sea yeah. for a while. Jameson did it too, right? Yeah. Jameson did it too. Did you, Is that where you guys met? We did not meet there. Isn't um, that crazy? We met here. And then I think through like mutual friends or something. And we were like, oh, you did a ship. You did a ship. We got some nightmare stories. I bet. Oh, my God. So crazy. <laughs> we just talk about this all day because I'm, I'm sure. I mean, mm. what a weird thing. It is have, bizarre. Uh, it's insane. It's what? so insane. Because <laughs> you really you're performing like what? Two nights a week or something? We were. There were other contracts where you performed like every night Uh but our we had like maybe two or three nights a week that we performed it was insane I actually 10 years ago had a podcast with another castmate Tim Paul because we were funny I know he's so funny and so (laughs) ridiculous we had a podcast together because we were so fucking bored I had just gotten a new computer and I was like let's just like do a podcast we fucked around early podcast early for real we were like (laughs) podcast pioneers is this you and Mark Marin? I know I know and we (laughs) Joe Rogan maybe I don't know I don't know what we thought we were doing we were having fun it was really really fun and we would like interview people on the ship Uh that we were like friends with that would do different jobs like dancers and singers and all this stuff 
And then we would chop up their dialogue to say crazy things, you know, like that old gag (laughs) that we were so happy about. Um, And that passed the time. Wow. Yeah. And then when did you move to L.A.? I moved to L.A. uh, 2000. It must have been 14. Does it? No, maybe it was 13. You said that you moved here in 2013, but yeah. I think I moved late 2013. Okay. And so I think, yeah, because I'm almost, I'll be hitting a six year anniversary at the end of this year. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you, I mean, you've been performing and teaching and stuff at Second City. Yeah. 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 We met. <coughs> Not editing that out. Just trying not to clear my throat, and then yeah. it was like, I gotta don't just edit do it. it out. Edit more in. <laughs> <laughs> we met at UCB, in yeah. I believe it was Joe Hartzler's class. Do you remember Joe? It wasn't Joe Hartzler. No, that it was, was three oh Billy Merritt. Billy Merritt. Billy That's right. Merritt. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love Joe Hartzler. Though I know. God, that guy is so he's funny so and funny. so sweet. He's like the sweetest, funniest guy. Did you ever see the the earliest show? It's like a fake morning show that he did. Oh my god, no, that sounds genius. Though. It was it was him and Ben Schwartz and Lauren Lapkus. Oh my and it god, is just as a quick aside. So it's like they do it's a web series, and there's like seven episodes, and uh-huh. they're all like ten minutes each. So god. the whole thing is seventy minutes. But then yeah, and the whole thing's improvised. And, oh my god! But they released an hour and twenty minute blooper reel Jesus of all Christ. the improv that didn't make it so it's like <laughs> twice as long yeah. or, maybe, yeah. or like more it's longer than the actual entirety mm. of the series and That's anytime amazing. i'm having a bad day i just put on that hour oh. and 20 minutes and then just laugh it's so oh. like hartzler is so funny because he just plays this really sad serious producer who's in love with the with lauren lapkus's character so and he just will he tries to do something really dumb and then just breaks and just breaks down laughing and, oh and it just God. every time he breaks i just crack up he's one of my favorite people and i feel he's like so funny yeah he, he's like one of those people that has that contagious energy yep in such a good way you're like this guy it, like you feel better when you're around him yeah there's know? certain people like that yeah like, i mean that the classic example I think is Will Ferrell, but like uh, yeah. someone that just, you just see their face and you're already smiling yeah. and starting to giggle. You like trust them <laughs> yeah. implicitly immediately. Yeah. You're like, I don't know. If, I mean, that's weird, but like I got to go with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I enjoyed having class with him. And then we, uh, we were in a sort of practice group, sort of actual improv group called Valet, which you named, I believe. Yes, I did name it. Because you always wanted to be in an improv team called Valet. Was this a long time thing or were you just like, eh? No, I didn't (laughs) always want to be on an improv team called Valet. It's a good name. It is a good name. I thought it would be really, really fun for us to transition. I always, even though I love improv, I always have my sights set on a written version of something with a group. Sure. And I was like, what haven't I seen yet that could be an easy web series? And I was like, it'd be so great to like follow a bunch of valets around and like in the same way that like party down was like for caterers. Do you know what I mean? And I'm talking about a show that I've never seen an episode of, but I know, but everybody loves it and I need to watch it. And I'm like, I know sort of like basically that they're, doing hilarious shit as characters it's all character driven but they have this one thing in common this workplace yeah and i was like and i thought that'd be really fun to work with these people on something that dumb yeah i was like if we name our group valet maybe people will be down to do this Uh, why are you really playing the long game there 
I, I always do. <laughs> I always do. And nobody knew. No. No one knew about that. I'm always like trying to plant a seed in like a bunch of different But it, I will say it did it did cause occasional confusion because sure. it, when the, when we performed like at IO there was a valet there. Oh and, sure. Um wait, oh yeah. Wait, what happened? <laughs> I had a friend <laughs> like tried to get tickets at the valet because he saw her name or something. I don't remember. I just remember being like, uh, that was, oh, oh that was Who are good. you here for? Valet. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And then they sent them to the valet. <laughs> <Right there. laughs> oh, that's so amazing. Good. Oh my God. Um, God, it's funny. Yeah. Anyway, so that brings us up to speed. <laughs> here we are five years later. <laughs> um, and yeah, I remember, I remember early on meeting cause Jameson was on that team as well. Oh yeah. For a while, and I remember <clears throat> confiding in you guys about about all of us all having dead parents. Yes. Um, well, wait, the three of us. Was there yeah. somebody else? Oh, um, n- I don't think so. No. Well, not that I know of. Which was, that, it was a large team. Yeah, <laughs> there was like twelve of us at yeah. one point. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so it was your dad, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The name of did I tell you the name of this podcast? Uh, I think I've settled on it. Oh, really? Yeah. What is it? Yes, and my mom's dead. Oh, fun. <laughs> That's really fun. That's good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a, enough cheekiness, yeah. enough reference to improv. Yeah. But like, you know, and uh, but uh, uh, not to, the reason why I bring it up is yeah. not to exclude dead dads. It just doesn't sound. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh. I No, it's to not <laughs> to exclude. I, I well, Now I feel excluded yeah. because you brought up. And you, it's the way that you said, I'm not excluding you. Yeah, I hear you. No, it just doesn't hilarious. work if it's yes. And my one of my parents is, you know what I mean? Ooh, <laughs> it doesn't roll off the tongue quite the same. 30 word title. <laughs> yeah. um, do you remember when I was putting together Dead Dad's Barbecue and I texted you for Father's Day? And I was no, like, no. Oh, my God. Wait, do I? This was Vaguely. so funny. I was texting all my friends that I thought had dead dads. But for some reason. I just assumed it was your dad and not your mom. Don't know why, but, yeah. but moms I, don't die. Moms don't die. Are you kidding? <laughs> um, and uh, I was like, "Hey, I'm putting together barbecue for all of us who lost our dads. Do you want to come?" And you were like, "Um, my mom's the one that's dead." And I was like, "Oh, oh. wow." Yeah, set one up. I wow. was like, so, you, so I wasn't allowed to be there. You were <laughs> prohibited. No, um, I don't even were, remember this. It didn't end up happening. Okay, because well, you were one of a few people that I knew, and I thought I could count on you for having a dead dad. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. The numbers just weren't there. <laughs> oh my god! I know. I have the a lot of improviser friends that are so jealous they can't be on this podcast. I'm oh, like, well, you know what to do. Hey. <laughs> You know, you know how to make this happen. We will look the other way. It's <laughs> <laughs> dark. Um, so it, when, first of all, I guess I, I always tell people I, I have a hard time remembering yeah. dates and stuff. And I remember yeah. you, I think you, especially Jameson, but I, I seem to remember both of you guys are, are the, the type that do remember dates. Like, mm. you know, you, do you know when your dad died? Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. I, Sorry, I, that I, was loud. I, I had to look it up. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah, I didn't even know what year it was. Wow. It's it's and it's well, maybe that's because your dad hasn't died yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm going. I went to a psychic to yeah. see when my dad's gonna die. God, I gotta talk to that psychic again. I forgot the date. That oh god. Um, 
Yeah. And I was, um, there seems to be two distinct camps here. And in talking to more people, it's like, it's really one or the other. It's like, it's either seared in your brain and a month before you start feeling it. Always. And uh, always. Literally October 1st through October 29th, it is bam. The entire month. I'm like, and it took years for me to go like, oh, oh, right, right, right. Remember it's October. That's why you're feeling this way. Yeah. But you don't have that experience. Not at all. Quite the opposite. In fact, I don't. My mom also died in October. I've learned. Um, <laughs> I learn every year. That's so I relearn every year because my whole family, yeah. uh, well, not my whole family, but the, the people in the family that are very date conscious yeah. will send me an email or call me or something. Send and me an I, email. Well. <laughs> <laughs> how, how distantly related are they? Hey. No, like, a, you know, like a group email to everybody. Just like, hey, I love you, everybody. Oh, okay. Just thinking about y'all or whatever. Yeah, that's um, bullshit. <laughs> Well, t- listen, tell my dad who's probably listening to this if hey. he can figure out a podcast. Yeah. Ed. Ed? Yeah. Ed Entmacher. Shout oh. out. Hey, shout out, Ed. <laughs> no, your, more, no more emails. What was your dad's name? Anthony. Anthony. Anthony Montalion. Yeah. That's very, that's, that's a good name. That's very Godfather. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it really is either the, your type or the type that I'm like every, every year I forget. I cannot has to remind me. fathom that. I almost I wish that I had that. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's bred out of a bit of denial or if it's genuinely. Yeah, of course it's denial. 100%. <laughs> Don't deny that it's denial. <laughs> that is 100%. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, well, I think, I think for me, I just, uh, I'm like, man, I, I miss her kind of equally all the time and yeah. it doesn't, and like dates don't really spike it too much. How long ago? A few years, right? Oh, she died in 2011. Okay. So eight years. Okay. When did your, what year was your dad? 95. OG. Wow. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. So 24 years ago. Yeah. Wow. I think yeah. you might be the youngest mm-hmm. of anyone to come on here. Most people are sort of, it's, I guess, how old were you? 12. Okay. Yeah. 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 It was. Well, we kind of share a little bit of, the same. I mean, my mom got sick when I was, I just turned 14 or maybe mm. it was about to turn 14 or somewhere around there. Yeah. And yeah, you so don't remember dates. We get it. <laughs> Quit bragging. <laughs> it is a weird humble brag, isn't it? Uh, yeah. My mom's somewhere dead, but like, I'm so cool with it that I don't even I don't remember. Know, I've never been obsessed with time. <laughs> <laughs> but, but really I, I, uh, you know, when she got sick, it was like, I think I just said this the other night to Zach, but I, Galifianakis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was on that guy. He's always listening. I know. Um, I, I stopped getting to know her at that moment because sure. It was just maintenance. All, I was You're just like, taking care of her. Fuck you for getting sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I felt that no. way a lot actually. No, you, you get do. Serious. It's weird. You do have a little bit of resentment when stuff like that happens. Oh yeah. Could My it, dad killed himself and I was like, fuck you forever oh, wow. and ever and ever. And I was like, fuck you. Fuck you. Cause my life was awful for so long. Yeah. It was just like, oh, and it's weird to say that you have resentment for somebody that you love so much, but that happens. Of course. Especially, I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't, I have no idea what it feels like to have a parent kill themselves, but I'm, I don't. (laughs) Humble brag on my (laughs) part. (laughs) But I can't imagine the resentment from that because it's, I mean, obviously whatever he was dealing with was, was too painful to be alive yeah. with for, but it does, I'm sure feel like, Hey, you chose to leave me. 
it's very much that, that, that was something that I struggled with for a very long time. But, um, again, it's very different and I don't know what it's like. Like I saw my dad sick for a long time too. He was sick. Yeah. But I wasn't in your position taking care of him and not getting to really know him anymore. I got to know him, I think even better up until when he died. But for you, you were still a kid though. You yeah, know? but I was like born 40. There there was a difference. Like my parents had me when they were 17. So like I was kind of the adult in wow. the family. Like I was the one like balancing the checkbook when I was in first grade. You know what I mean? Like yeah. doing the things that I was like, you guys are never gonna grow up. <laughs> uh, what and you have a brother, right? I have two younger brothers. Okay. One of them is from uh, my stepdad. So whatever, I guess technically half brother, but I don't say like, this is my half brother. Sure. That's like weird. Yeah. You're just brother. Yeah. So yeah, you were, man. Yeah. So you were the oldest. So you were just kind of taking care of the, of your little brother yeah. and sort of parenting your parents. Oh, very much. Wow. Yeah. And were your parents together the whole they time? They weren't. No, they got divorced when I was really, really young. Um, I think I was maybe like four when they got divorced. Okay. Um, they had kind of a rough relationship. I mean, they as were you would so imagine. young. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and having two kids and being super duper broke and like having to work several jobs to make ends meet, it was just like that was just a you know recipe for disaster. You can't. You, that there's like almost zero chance. It's a surprise that they made it as long as they did. Yeah. And my dad had so many substance abuse issues and like such depression and just like really, really, I don't know, like heavy issues that were not being dealt with. Yeah. Because like you don't have time. Yeah. When you have two kids by the time you're what, like 19, 20. Yeah. Or- you're like, well, I don't have fucking time to take care of myself. And then everything, the issue just compounds itself. And it's like, oh, God. So did your dad, um, or your parents live like close together? And were you splitting time with them when yeah. you were a kid? Yeah. It was tough. When my dad was not well, we didn't see very much of him. Like he would be in like a, you know, a depressive state. And we were supposed to go with him for like, you know, certain weekends or whatever. And there would be like months at a time where we wouldn't see him or you'd like wait out by the window, like dad's coming. This is very cool. And oh. then it was like, yeah, really, really awful. It's heartbreaking. Really heartbreaking. Then be like, I guess he's not coming today. Cool. Um, and then he would try to really make up for it when he was there and he'd be like, I got to get my shit together. I have kids like this is important, whatever they, they need me and all this stuff. And then he would do really well for a little while. And then he would, you know, slip back into, I mean, he had a broken back and hurt himself on his job and had a bunch of surgeries and he would just like pop pain pills, like open the thing and just like take like a swig of pain. Pills. Right. Like what you would see in the movies Literally and you go, that. I don't think anyone has ever done no. that. No, And I think that's so interesting. And I see that and I'm like, Oh, I know that I've seen. And I didn't think it was weird because I saw him do it. And I, it was just like, Oh, that's just what people do. And I'd be like, that's fucking insane. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I had no idea that that was like, making his depression worse and not really helping him physically and all that stuff. Yeah, of course. Did you, I mean, God, you're so young though. How did you have any idea that the stuff he was going through when you're, when he was alive? Sort of like intuitively you kind of pick up on things, but I had no idea it was that 
severe. And like he had attempted to kill himself a couple of times before at least. And I didn't know that until I found the suicide notes right after he died from months before and stuff like that. And he had been hospitalized. It's also something that's insane because my family is in such denial about it. They wouldn't, they were like, we're not gonna, we don't, we, he died of complications from his medication. I was like, he purposely took uh, three bottles of it or whatever it was. Like that's not. And he left a note and left a note and a list of like things not to, kill himself for and reasons to kill himself like i was like come on guys that's insane for you to think that but i also understand it's hard to believe that somebody would do that and like there's also a weird shame that goes along with stuff like that like oh our son would never do that you know like were they religious or his parents and stuff not religious just sort of like uh, it's hard to explain. Like they couldn't really come to terms with that because like, what will the neighbors think? Yep. They'll, they'll blame us. We're at fault if that's the case. You know what I mean? And how, how dare he make us look bad? Yeah. And I feel like that was part of the issue his whole life was like, he could never. And that was in a suicide note that he wrote was like, sorry, this is hilarious. Isn't it? No. <laughs> it doesn't, um, it's not I supposed know, to be. Don't worry. Um, But like he had written a a note to everybody and it was like several pages, you know, this like black and white composition notebooks. It was like several pages of that. And the last like few pages were directly addressed to his dad saying like, sorry, I could never live up to what you wanted me to be and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that is so intense. He also had all these taped conversations of him in therapy. Wow. Yeah. Lots and lots of tapes, um, which is so funny that he would tape himself in therapy. And I got to listen to some of those, which is like crazy. Um, as an adult? As an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really insane. And um, it was kind of eye-opening because he had never talked about that stuff with me. Like all the pressure that his family had put on him and made him feel like a complete fuck up over and over again. And of course, like you can, it's easy to start believing that if the people that are supposed to care about you and have your back in your life are like, fuck you, you're, you're never going to be good enough for us. And how dare you, you know, besmirch our name or whatever, you know, you're just like, that's, I, there's one thing that, I I mean, I, I will say, I I don't know what that's like. I don't know what that pressure is like. From your parents. From my parents. I will. Say, I don't like, either. Yeah. I'm like, I had shitty parents in a way because they were so young. They didn't know how to take care of me. They weren't mature at all, but I never ever felt like they didn't love me and want me to be who I was. Yeah. So in a way I had awesome parents. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, I've never had any pressure. In fact, it's like, yeah. sometimes I'm, I, like, I was always the person that would like, put more pressure on myself, you know, like I would get, I would like get straight A's in college and I'd be like, see, see dad. And he's like, yeah, that's good. I mean, you you should be, you're going to university of Phoenix, bud. (laughs) It's easy, but it's easy, bud. (laughs) I think I was like trying to prove something to someone that I, but, and they're like, we we're you know, they're great. It's whatever. Yeah. You're you're doing good. And I'm like, yeah, but But you uh, should be excited. (laughs) Like I'm like, I guess maybe there's like a fantasy of having the like, the living up to 
yeah. your parents, but they were all just, they were always just like, yeah, whatever you want to do. We, we love you. I'm like, God, that's, that's too easy. I know. <laughs> and it also, you're right. It's weird. It's almost like a reverse psychology because it makes mm-hmm. you really want to work hard. Yep. And it's not even like, I don't know, like, I feel like sometimes if the pressure's on so much and people are forcing you to do stuff that you don't want to do or whatever, you're like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. This is my life. Yeah. But when they're like, we just want you to be happy. You're like, oh, oh I'll show you who's happy. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get straight A's, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like the inverse somehow of uh, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Yes. Or yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't know, I can't, I can't mm-hmm. complete that analogy because I was bad at school. <laughs> I'm just oh, kidding. my God. Straight <laughs> Remember A's? those A's? Yeah. <laughs> analogies oh and SATs? Oh, my God. I loved those. Uh, yeah. Those, those are, are great. Those are super great. And those are perfect for comedy. That's a really good point. Yeah. Analogies, metaphors, all that stuff. <laughs> Similes. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So you're a kid and your senior dad occasionally. Is this going to be animated? Because I kind of want it to be animated now. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my Especially God. The, the comedic uh, pills yeah. falling at like it's oh like hundreds. God. Yeah, literally <laughs> raining pills. God. Um, oh. But you, did you have any memory of like thinking like, oh, I might lose my dad? Or was it a complete shock? No, it was a complete shock. Yeah. There was never a time where I thought I would lose him, which is interesting. Um, well, you were 11 or 12. Yeah, but I but I also had a good, I had a, like I was saying, like I was fairly mature for my age and had a good grasp on reality, but I just, I never ever thought that was an option really. Yeah, how could you? Yeah, you know, you go like, oh, and and it's weird to say this because I'm not suicidal, but I go like, oh, I get it. I get that now. I get like where you go, I just can't take it anymore. And yep. if I just can't take it anymore for this much time, I'm just going to go. Like, it's fucked up, but it, it it's like, holy shit. Yeah. That's, re- that's a thing that you can do. I've always thought about it like um- – like I think so, the, oddly the thing that keeps people going and the most uh, sane and healthy mm-hmm. is in the back of your mind knowing that suicide is an option. It's literally Hamlet's soliloquy. Oh, it's, is it? Yeah, it's oh, you're sitting there going like there is an option, and the reason that we don't do it is just because we're kind of afraid that we don't. There might not be anything. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but like not obviously not to make light of it, but it it is that kind of like. You know, if all else fails, I don't have to do this. This is my backup plan, right? <laughs> my backup plan is like I pull my own plug. I always think about that with in terms of here comes another analogy. Yes. In terms of like finances, I'm like, I can always just claim bankruptcy. You <laughs> yeah, know what exactly. I mean? You go like it's the suicide of yeah, money. It's literally the suicide of money. And you're like, look, if things don't work out, just go bankrupt. <laughs> like, I'm not sure you quite understand what I bankruptcy know, is. I know. I <laughs> know. I certainly don't, but I, it's sort of comforting that I tell myself that I do. Do you think, like, do you think when you claim bankruptcy, mm-hmm. someone just comes in and like relieves you of everything yeah. and they just give you some starter yeah, money like, to get back go. on your feet? Here's like $10,000. All your debt's been erased. You're just starting over. They just shame you a little bit yeah. and move on. It's like, oh, we're putting your picture up on the website for a few days. <laughs> so that's your punishment. Yeah. You do a Game of Thrones shame walk yes. through a bank. A bankruptcy shame walk through a bank, through Bank of America. Yeah. And you're like, oh, 
Yeah, I don't know. Do they come take your stuff? I I don't know. That's like repossession, but maybe it's part of bankruptcy. I think if you're if if you're someone that doesn't own a business or mm-hmm. you know you're just check a, you're <laughs> you're just like a regular person check. I don't think you can claim. I don't think that is an option. I think bankruptcy is like well shit. Ooh. I don't know. I know that it completely ruins your credit. Yes. And you can't get a credit card. You can't. It just it gets your credit down to zero, basically. Right. Um, and which. But God, there has to be other. That's penalties. like a that's like a, a positive effect for me right now. Like, <laughs> You're like, I don't my, want a credit card. And also my credit is negative. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. No, I know. <laughs> what is your credit score? Let's look it up. Negative, Let's credit karma. It. Yeah. Negative 700. No, it's pretty low. I think I checked it. <laughs> is it in the 500s? In the fours? No, 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 no. That's way too high. No. Um. Well, the top is like 850, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> That's the ultimate top. Let, we're leaving all this in. We're leaving all of it in. I'm genuine. We'll get back to your dead dad, but right now we need to know you about gotta, your credit score. <laughs> yeah. And do you think if I tell them that my dad committed suicide, that they'll be like, we'll give you a couple hundred points. <laughs> On the credit you score? You deserve it. You deserve it. Now, where do I go? I, I got to go to, I think. It's like, in Mint. Do you have the Mint app? Yeah, but I don't even know if I know my login. That'll take forever. <laughs> I don't know any of my passwords. <laughs> oh, you my don't have God. A, um, you can set it up with like Face ID or Touch ID. Oh, this you know, is really bad. Um, let's see here. Face ID, touch ID. That's going to take for. Yeah, we ever. don't need to do that right now. Okay. I know it's bad. I'll why don't say we, that. why don't we, um, when we're done recording, we can find it. Yeah. And I will announce it at the beginning of the episode. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love that. Score. Actually, that's a really good idea for a podcast too. Credit score podcast. Uh, yeah. Like have different people with different scores. Come on and see. Honestly, that for sure exists because you think? there's there's a whole subculture of people that are obsessed with credit scores. I'm sure. And there's this whole Reddit community, Max, my friend Max is telling me about, mm-hmm. where they like, it's all just people talking about their stories and advice for getting better credit scores. And they're like obsessed with getting an 850 and they're like trying to figure out how That's to gain the, the system. Yeah. Oh my God. But who can't like, I mean, God, this is boring, but. Who cares? Uh, You're going to kill yourself anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you are. If you achieve yeah. an 850, like what else is there to live there's for? There's nothing to do. <laughs> you can just get a really good interest rate. Then I, here's the thing. It's just like anything else. Then it's maintenance and that's harder. It is. You know what I mean? You're like, once you get to the top, you're like, Ooh, I got to stay here. Yeah. That's the more money, more problems yeah. thing, mm-hmm. which is true. I am. Here's a humble brag for you. Oh God. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I thought I'd be happier when I had a decent amount of money and now yeah. I'm like, Oh no, it's the same. If not a little more stressful. Yeah. Really? Sure. Are you spending more? Is your is it because you changed your lifestyle? I mean, you're in this house, right? Like this house is not cheap. Am I? <laughs> um, yeah. At the I risk guess. of sounding like a complete asshole, I'm a, fully aware that having a, a modicum of money where you're not worried about it is uh, incredibly helpful for yes. for happiness. I understand that. Yes. But yeah, there yeah. is a point where you're just like, I don't know. I just and now I'm just scared of losing it. I'm scared I of know. of having like not having a real job anymore if I want to do more creative stuff and then having to go back to being more frugal I don't know I've just you know I stress myself out over all of it yeah yeah yeah. but when I was very broke I I was like there's nowhere to go but up in that sense so I was like wasn't worried about it oh yeah no that's why I'm seriously like truly I'll commit financial suicide with some bankruptcy if it's possible (laughs) like it doesn't matter to me because I don't have anything to lose yeah. And that there is a weird comfort. There's in a comfort that. in that. Yeah. 
Um, I still want to be rich. Yeah, I do. do you? Yeah. I want to be so fucking rich that I'll never be poor again. Cause I've been poor my whole life. Yeah. My whole life has been just like the shittiest with money. Yeah. Just so bad. So it's like, I just want to be super duper rich so that like, I don't ever have a credit creditor calling. I never have to worry about any, like, how am I going to pay for this or how I'm going to do that? Like, I just want to be able to, and it's not even so I can be like, I, I have like 80 cars and 50 yeah. houses. It's like, I want to be able to enjoy life and not fucking worry freak about out. Yeah. You know? I really, that is the, that's the thing. Yeah. But I think it's so hard to not worry. Like I'm, Oh God. Yeah. I, God, I'm, I sound horrible right now, but like just, I, I worry about money way more than I did when I was broke. I really so did. Funny. I mean, first of all, God, I, I'm caveating this a million times because I'm, I'm hearing other people listen to it I and know. going, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but like, so to be clear, I've never been broke because my, I grew up, my dad was a doctor. So I never worried about yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah I want to yeah, make yeah. that very clear. Wow. But you're I'm just, just saying. You're digging yourself God, deeper. God, I'm such a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, I've never had a problem in my life. <laughs> My mom's dead, right? Well, okay. Can but we let's let's go back to the part where people feel luxury for a long time. <laughs> let's go back no. to the part where people feel bad for I me. I know, I know. Let me tell my story. That's so funny. I'm just oh my yeah, God. we're not talking about money anymore. No, I've, that's I've so funny. dig myself deeper. I got to tell you one thing that is really funny. I had this happen. A former friend of mine who is in maybe not the best mental health, so I'll qualify that. And I'm, I don't want to say anything super negative, but this did piss me off. When you are trying to explain something that is a real issue of yours and people are never listening to that, but trying to like one up you oh, in God. some way. Yeah. I was friends with this girl for like 10 years. Okay. Um, and I remember her getting wasted and um, having this breakdown and like yelling at everybody in her apartment and then being like none of you know what it's like uh, and she's never I mean she has grown up very very privileged and still has continued to live a very privileged life and um even though I had been like friends with her for 10 years, she goes, you don't know what it's like. My brother almost decided to commit suicide when we were younger. And I literally was like Oh my God. Did she not know? She She couldn't have known, right? She knew, but she probably never listened to it because like I post about it. I talk about it. I make jokes about it. Like pretty open. But when you're so narcissistic that you only hear what's going on in your brain and you just are like on autopilot when other people are talking. My mother almost, almost decided. So almost decided to commit suicide. Yeah. And she was like crying and putting on this like act and like spilling her drink everywhere. And I was like, I need to go right. and I need to not be friends with you anymore. You're insane. And the thing is, if, if you have a suicidal brother, that is hard. That is super hard. But if you go, you don't understand, yeah. you don't know what it's like. I had this. Then you're like, God, you just, you just ruined you all your ruined good favor it. there. Exactly. And I, I've never started a conversation going, you don't know what it's like. My dad committed suicide. Like, How could you? you if yeah, it's, you wouldn't. You don't try to like go, oh, you have a struggle. Let me just one up you. This is, mine is more important or more of a struggle yeah like, that's so gross it is gross um i find myself on this podcast trying not to do that of course <laughs> with with last time yeah. i was talking to someone who whose dad was sick for like you know nine months or something 
And I was like, yeah, my mom was sick for nine years. <laughs> Try nine years, buddy. And then you're like, you know what? Whoops. Oh Get out God. of here. Yeah. First of all, come back in a yeah. long time. That's so funny because I think it's like in when it comes from a real place of like empathy, I think you're trying to find common ground. But when it comes from a place of like, I want everybody to think that I've had it the worst and that I'm the most deserving of whatever is like, that's when it's selfish and narcissistic and yeah. competitive and weird. What are you looking for? I don't know. What do you want from people? It's so insane. Just pity I, I, or? I guess and it's the same thing with people who claim to have like things that they don't have or like people who are like, I'm so depressed. I need to go shopping or whatever. I'm like, you don't know what depression is. Like yeah. you don't get it. Stop. <clears throat> Stop looking for attention. Stop. It's yeah. not. You yeah. don't want it. If you're going out and telling people how depressed you are and that. Let's go no. shopping. It's like, you're, you're not, you're <laughs> yeah. not. If, and honestly, I'm not saying that everybody's depression looks the same, but like I've been depressed for so long, so many times in my life. And I never told anyone, even myself that I was depressed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, that's not how it usually rears its ugly head. It usually, you know, is in, so you're it's pretty quiet. You're, it's pretty quiet. And that's, what's so dangerous about it actually, is that you're like, you fight it the entire, you're like, it's just, I'm feeling sluggish. I just got to pick up and go. And you're like, nobody is just like, look at me. Hashtag depressed. Like, yeah. ew, gross, gross, <laughs> gross, man. You know, this is a, a good time to admit, talk about this because, um, <clears throat> God, my throat. Yeah, this is, I'm so sorry. On? I ate a Starbucks uh, sausage, egg and cheese this morning. And that, <laughs> it really sticks to the old vocal cord. Oh my God. <laughs> um, Great snack though with hot sauce. Got to put Tabasco on it. Oh, um, I, wait, are yeah. you a vegetarian? Vegan. I feel like I'm vegan. That's right. Yeah. God bless you. Oh, um, thanks. No, I mean, I'm, it's good. You mm -hmm. should be. I'm not, and you should be. I'm not one of those people that is going to go around saying everybody has to be, but I will silently judge. No, yeah. um, <laughs> no, I, I enjoy it because it makes me feel better. Great. Yeah. I love it. Um, but yeah, so what I was going to say was, uh, you know, from, from getting to know you years ago and seeing the stuff that you would post about your dad and, mm -hmm. and, um, and the, what, how open you were talking about it, it really made me, um, confront a lot of the stuff I have around not wanting to make yeah. any of it public. Yeah. Um, cause I always just felt, uh, like I was exploiting my own sure. stuff to, to get approval, like outside approval about yeah. it. And <clears throat> totally, that's just my own shit. Yeah. I, I never put that on anybody else. I, I never saw a post from yours and was like, ugh, gross, you know, <laughs> <laughs> of course. But, but, yeah. but I was like, I, I would always see it and be like, man, I wish I, I wish I was comfortable doing I that. I wish my dad was <clears throat> dead. I wish my yeah. dad killed himself. Look at that cool I know. post. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, and, no, and that was kind of like the, honestly, just thinking about that. It was the same with Jameson, like a couple of yeah. people that are very open about it. I was like, uh, and then I posted this thing on Instagram. I don't know if you saw, but it was like mm. the, the letter I wrote my mom no, for the it. funeral. I, I wrote a letter to her and read it out loud at the funeral. Oh. And I wrote, I, I, it was the first thing in, you know, eight years that I ever put it in social media about her. Yeah. And I was like, I, this feels gross. I don't know why Sure, it feels because, because ultimately I'm going to look and see how many likes it got, you know? No, I, that's part of it. And you, just, you here's the thing. It, 
didn't happen for me overnight. Like my dad was dead for 20 years before, or maybe almost close to 20 years. So I was able to go through all that stuff yep. and like go up and down. And most people in my life didn't know for a long time. Like it was like something that I was like also dealing with the fact that he killed himself. So that was like, whenever anybody would ask, I was like, Oh God, now I have to get into this. And it, people always saying like, I'm sorry. And you're like, cool. Thanks. But it's, yeah. it's, you know, as a so quick much. aside, you know, you know what the best response is, is someone saying they're sorry. Huh? You go, wait, did you? I know. It? Yeah. Yeah. I remember <laughs> thinking that at the fucking funeral. And I was like, there's so many times 12 year old Eileen almost was like, are you the one who did it? But wow, like, good, good bit for a 12 year old. Well, remember I was much, you older. were very funny. Yeah. Um, and very, very funny. Uh, no, I, uh, for a long time had to like do jokes about it in yeah. order to like, I first started talking about it in stand up because I was like, I have to get past this. And the, that level of like uncomfortable that I felt having to answer to those things. I was like, I need to get past it. And I need to like, maybe put that on somebody who asks a question that, that I might not want to answer. So I'd be like, yeah, my dad, daddy died really, really young, whatever. And they'd always be like, how did your dad die? What a weird follow-up. What a weird follow-up. Right. And I would be like, Oh, SIDS. You know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. sudden in infant death syndrome or whatever. Which like was all the rage back then. All the time. rage back then. And you were like, that doesn't even make sense logically, but it would be something that I could walk away and have them be like, wait, what? You know, like, don't ask that. Don't, yeah. if I don't know you and I'm not offering to like talk about that, like you don't get to know. I know. That's it's a strange a weird follow thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think people who are willing to offer that information say it. They're like, oh, yeah. my dad committed suicide or, oh, my mom died because of, she, did she die of cancer? No, she, well, it was kind of a long story, but yeah. essentially she had kidney failure, which then led to uh, dementia in her brain. And, and she kind of, yeah, yeah, who knows what actually killed her eventually, but yeah. something. Yeah. Um, all those people who said sorry. Uh, yeah. No. Um, couldn't take it. But if, if you want somebody to know that, boom. That's something that you're, or if you're sitting down and you're in a conversation with somebody that you know that yeah. also has that, then you're like, let's talk about this. Let's get into this. But there's so many times where I've been like, you don't get to know that part of me. <laughs> like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. But um, you, so you, um, you kind of eventually went through the roller coaster and came yeah. to a point where you're not only comfortable posting about it and talking about it, but it actually feels positive to you, right? It feels like in a weird way and I'm kind of a control freak and trying to not be so much of one, but it does feel like I'm in more of the control. I'm in the driver's seat with it instead of it controlling me instead of it being a fear of like, if somebody asks now, now I have to break down in tears or like whatever, or like walk, like all of the emotions that were like tied into it. I was like, Oh fuck. I just have to like deal with this and get past this hump of like, oh my God, somebody might ask me that. And that's my biggest fear. Um, and that definitely took a long time. But then once I did, I was like, okay, cool. And there were a few people in the beginning too, who were like, that isn't funny. You can't joke about that. My dad died or whatever. And I was like, so did mine. That's a true story. Yeah. <laughs> like I for sure can yeah, joke about it. If anybody can, it's me, you know, like, that there were a couple of ups and downs then, but those moments I feel like when people pushed back, 
those actually made me more determined to do it. I was like, yeah. fuck that. That's my truth, you fucking asshole. Uh, yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, that kind of goes into what I've been trying to get at with people is like, uh, I don't know. I think being able to laugh at it is mm-hmm. is one thing. And I, I think like, oh man, when I have, when other people in my life like will make a really good dead mom burn mm-hmm. on me like oh it feels so good I feel yeah I'm like thank you for not yeah. uh being scared to make a joke about it and yeah. it just feels like there's so much empathy because you know it's obviously out of a place of love right um I think that's kind of the I I, I love having this community uh, of yeah. people that are that are in comedy that like those lines are further Mm-hmm. down yes. the road where it's like in polite society if someone made a joke mm-hmm. about your dead dad you'd be like what the fuck yeah you'd be like oh my god but that's just also some that's like weirdly that's intimacy do you know what i mean it's like this person knows me that well this person cares that well we're that close that you can really say that yeah you know yeah or the other day is this the most recent one, a friend was, um, we were talking about someone else's mom who's kind of a nightmare. Oh my God. And he, he was like, he's like, would you, I, would you trade? I, I knew it. <laughs> he's like, you, I bet you would keep your dead mom and not her. I was like, yeah, I think I would. <laughs> you know, it's super weird. And I think about this a lot too. A lot of times when people get into like deep conversations about this, especially people who, Sometimes it's people who ex- have experienced. I have a, another close friend who lost his dad when he was like 14 or 15. Um, and I have friends who are like, that is so foreign to me. I have no idea what that's like. And I've t- had this conversation with both types of people, which is if I could go back in time, if I could turn back time, share, um, if I could go back in time, would I change it? Would I try to like save my dad? And it's, I think in the beginning, naive Eileen, I used to wake up and think that it was all a dream when I was a kid and stuff, or I had this like theory that he faked his death and I had this like recurring dream and stuff, like just things that your brain is making up so that you don't have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, And then like, you know, I'd be up for like 10 minutes and be like, well, that's all fantasy. Okay. Get on with your day. Um, but I used to think like, I wished that he was still alive and I wish that that didn't happen. And what's interesting now, and I think that this has taken over two decades to get to, but like, it sucks, but I wouldn't change it. Hmm. I wouldn't change it because I think it has had such an impact on the person that I am today. Everything in my life that's been shitty is it's like, oh God, that really sucked, whatever. But it's made me who I am and it's given me the perspective that I have and like the empathy or like just the the thirst for knowledge or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's something about having that experience, going through that experience. It's like what we were talking about with moving to LA. Like I, there are some people that just don't get it until they get it and they didn't even know that there was something to get. And then you go, oh, I get it now. Yeah, it's similar to that. It's like you're you're going through a metamorphosis in a way because you have to move on with your life. It has majorly changed permanently. 
and how are you going to keep going? And like, there have been things that have come up in my day-to-day life or even periods of my life that have been so challenging, but then it's weird. I get to go like, is it as hard as when your dad killed himself? Yeah. You know, like it's not that hard. You're going to wake up and you're going to get through it. Yep. I've had those silver lining thoughts too of like, I I remember a specific moment. I may have not, I don't think I've told this on podcast yet. So I'm always trying to find new little bits. Yeah. Hot content coming your way. Oh God. (laughs) This is, you know, really one of, it was like the, the rock bottom moment with her. Yeah. Where, um, at least for me and yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so I was like, um, We, when I was living at home, uh, I guess it would have been, I think this was like a summer in between college or something, mm-hmm. some years of college. Mm-hmm. I was home and um, she was living in a house by herself at this point where, and she would just have caregivers come in like the, uh, throughout the, during the day, but that was all, but we didn't have overnight support. Were your parents separated? Yeah. My mom's gay. So she oh. was with my stepmom okay. um, and, <clears throat> and uh but at that point she was living in Asheville which is where we grew up and uh my stepmom was in Black Mountain which is like a half hour away okay. but she needed to be in town be close to doctors and stuff and we had an extra house so she would just stay there and we would all just take turns going and spending time with her and stuff so she wasn't like alone ever mm-hmm. she couldn't be alone um and it was like my night I was on call essentially and I mm-hmm. was staying there and um she, she was, she would have seizures and after she would have a seizure, uh, her brain would be especially really bad yeah. for like a month. Yeah. And it was like a week after a seizure probably. Um, and she was like up all night and, um, <clears throat> was just totally out of her mind. And most of the time she was, even when her brain was bad, she was like the sweetest, still like the, her like loving sweet self, even though she didn't know what the hell was going on. Yeah. But this was like after seizures, sometimes she, her personality would be really fucked up and she was like angry and like, and like confused and like really kind of mad at me and was like Mm -hmm. wanting to get out and saying just really weird shit that like probably wasn't true, but like about my dad. And I was like, I was just sitting there and it was like four in the morning and I was just sitting on her bed, just trying to get her to go to sleep. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. I had this feeling like this is as shitty as this can get. Right. And, uh, I mean, I'm like literally, you know, that moment. And, and, and also it was kind of a, a, a good realization of up until then I'd never had any experience that as like a rich white kid, rich Mm -hmm. white boy, in America, I, I felt like I, I had such privilege growing up. And this was the first time that I was like, I can't get out of this. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing. Yeah. There's no one I can call. It is four in the morning. No right. one will even pick up. Right. Like I have to stay awake all night and yeah. do this horrible, horrible thing. I cannot buy my way out of this. I can't ask mm-hmm. my parents to help me. No. This is it. There's nothing. Yeah. And so it was like two realizations in one of like, oh, sometimes you you have to play the cards you're dealt. You, you have do. to. Yeah. And then the other thing was just like, I don't think I'll have an experience that's, that's rougher than this no. in a long, long time. Yeah. So this, I'm kind of bulletproof now. Yeah. It makes you a little bulletproof. I also want to point out that during that uh, sentence, you just kind of threw, uh, during that, you threw away a sentence that was, we had an extra house. So 
And I was like, cool. Yeah. Again, privilege. Yeah. (laughs) No. Um, but truly having those moments where you're like, (laughs) where you're watching someone that you love so much deteriorate and doing things that are, like you said, there's no one else that can, no one else could have been there at that time. No one else. It was no one else's responsibility at that time. It was just like you, no matter how fucking rich you are, no matter how privileged you are, you're still there taking care of and, and like grieving for somebody who's not even fully gone yet, but exactly. in a way is already gone Yep. and yet is still there and is your responsibility. That is insane that's kind of yeah. like what's happening with my grandma right now mm. where she's started to slip in the past couple of years and she's very much she has that you know she her brain slips and she gets very angry and she'll like yell things that are like very abrupt and stuff and then she gets back to her sweet self and everything and it's hard when i'm home i'm taking care of her but like really my family's taking care of her right now and it's very difficult because it's like we love her so much she is the reason that we are here and still alive and you know um she's like a a true saint but there are issues where you're like oh my god it's like heartbreaking to see that you're gone even though you're still here even if it's just little glimpses of you being gone it's like no yeah my brother i've quoted this four times now but my brother calls this that sort of phenomenon ambiguous loss yeah because it's like it you my mom would get better and worse and Mm -hmm. and we'd have hope for a while and then we wouldn't and it would get really bad and then and so there was just this like we we weren't able to grieve because it was just like yeah there's no closure there's nowhere to you know the target keeps moving yeah on the grief yeah you don't know what you've lost and then you get it back so you're like well then i I got to like lay off the grief. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Yeah. You can't keep grieving when you're sort of winning a little bit there. You're like, Oh oh my God. It's like a little tease. And it just sort of like, it is that emotional roller coaster, and it it's really it, trying. Yeah. I, I'm really, I mean, the, when you were talking about how you wouldn't change things now, yeah, it really, I've never put it in those words because I think, uh, now I'm like analyzing, like, would I change? I, right. I think I would still, I don't know. But then, uh, then I'm, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, but look where I am and look all these great things I have in yeah. my life and the relationships I have and stuff. And I, I know all that would be different if she it were still so here. It would be so different. But at the same time, damn it. I wish she was, <laughs> wish she was I still know. here. No, that's the selfish part of me too. I mean, both, both parts of it are selfish, I guess. The selfish part of me is like, I wanted my dad. I wanted my dad to be around to be there to celebrate with me, to be there when things weren't right, to be there when I needed advice, to be there if I, you know, needed money or whatever, like, like most people's dads are. Um, and you know, to be proud of me, to tell you about bankruptcy, to tell me about bankruptcy. Come on, (laughs) daddy. Um, but I also truly, I really, I guess it's part of it is the acceptance when you get through that stage of grief, when you're like, Things happen for a reason. Do you believe that? I do. Okay. I do believe things happen for a reason. If for no other reason, I believe it because I find comfort in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And for some reason, it's like, I'm such a control freak that I try to control so much. So like when you do finally accept and go, oh, things happen for a reason. Like there's like one less thing that you have to worry about controlling. You go like, oh, it's just whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It doesn't take away your free will to like 
to make things happen in your Not life. Not at right? all. Okay. No, 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 no. There's still things that you strive for and stuff like that, but but circumstances, you know, you're they're not really in your control. Yeah. And so you kind of go like, well, I can control my reaction to it, right? Mm-hmm. I can I can somewhat find a silver lining, and that silver lining for me is like, I am the person that I am today. I have the experience that I have today, and I am doing what I love today because very early on I realized how fragile and precious life is and you go like you only get one as far as we know yep you know and like i didn't that that was another thing where i was like do i really want to be a doctor do i really want to save lives no um <laughs> uh it was like that what's going to make me happy even if it's a harder road is ultimately going to be the better road for me yeah you know what i mean and I don't know if I would have been able to do that if I hadn't experienced such an early trauma. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I yeah, for sure. I think the uh, I, there's obviously things I need to there there are things that are have just been a net negative for me in terms of like the mm-hmm. the that I still haven't worked through, I guess, yeah, and I'm still course. need to um but there the positives of of this whole experience making me who I am really has been pretty incredible. Like I think I'm mm-hmm. uh, much more of a stable adult because of it, because I really yeah. had to grow up early in you, a lot of ways. You had to grow up early. And also there's something like very kind about you that could have not been there had you not experienced those things. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think so much of that is who my mom was. Yeah. She really was a pretty, I mean, gosh, everybody's going to say this about their dead parent, but she nah. was really special. <laughs> no, <laughs> she I really know. Was. Yeah. Can you imagine being like, they weren't special. <laughs> they were like, it's okay. <laughs> they're okay. <laughs> um, no, I think that, that, that has a lot to do with who you are and even just wanting to sit here and listen to other people and like do something that's like very mutually therapeutic and people that are listening to this may or may not have experienced it, but might like have an experience that's similar or parallel to this and, and find comfort in that too. Yeah. I want it to be, I mean, it's getting meta talking about the podcast, but like I, I, I want, I mean, I'm, I want to be very clear that like I'm still in the middle of it yeah. of like grieving and trying to let certain things go and, yeah. and realizing all of the ways that this experience has fucked me up and not and and it's like heart relationships i've had and sure it's i'm still in the middle of it yeah and like i'm i've been learning a lot from people i've talked to about how they've dealt with stuff and i mean ultimately it's been very helpful i mean jameson was his thing where he he talks out loud to his dad a lot yeah like like every day almost i do too do you do that yeah that's so cool I've, i've been trying to do it it's really cheesy but it helps there's sometimes where i'm like dad can you just get me there on time? Like, it's, I know that it has no, you know what I mean? But it, like, for some reason, there's like this connection that you're like, okay, it sort of feels better to let it out. Yeah. If that makes sense. Sure. I don't know. It is. I know. I, I um, and I just, I just started reading a book. Um, oh, congrats. Or, uh, <laughs> I, you don't know how accurate that is because the last time I read a book was like a long time ago and my family will get, they'll know that they're yeah, like, Oh yeah, he hilarious. doesn't read. Um, but it's called dead mom's club and oh, it's fun. Kate Spencer. Who's a great oh, comedian cool. wrote it uh, yeah. about her experience. And, um, man, I just, 
there's certain things that just get me. And uh-huh. I was a page into that sobbing by myself, but I, but I don't really cry. You know, oh, like that's really? been one of the problems, you know, for me is like not being able to let stuff go because I, yeah. she was sick for so long that I just pushed everything down yeah. for a decade. And, yeah. uh, and it's been a struggle of just trying to let some pressure off that every once in a while. It's to, and so it, important that you do that. I know. It's so important that you do it. That's it's literally as cheesy as it is for me to be like, Dad, thanks for today or whatever. Like yeah. that little tiny release, or even a little bit of like, oh, I'm gonna journal and cry, or I'm gonna read a book and cry, or whatever. Like, it, I'm not saying like completely fall apart every single day and not be able to live your life, but having those moments where you are releasing that, so fucking yeah. important. The people that I've talked to that cry regularly mm-hmm. are in such a better place oh, about God. the loss that they've been through. Yeah. Yeah. For real. <laughs> it's it it so took me a long time to get to, to that point too. I was just like, okay, what's next? Let's keep going. Let's go. I got to hold everybody together. Got to, I had to work full time in high school and college and everybody in my family had cancer and it was just like so insane. I almost dropped out both high school and college just to like take care of people. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Never crying, yep. never doing anything. And then like, there was a point in college where I went like, you're not even alive. <laughs> you're like, yeah. you're just you're a, a robot. fucking robot. What are you doing? And I wasn't able to really fully, I don't know, experience any relationships or anything until I came to terms with that. And then I was like, oh, right. It's so important to have that emotional intelligence, to have that release, to like understand that it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength to like, whew, let it go. How are you able to let that guard down so easily? I mean, maybe not so easily, but. It wasn't easy, no. Um, I don't know. I can't, I wish I could just give you like, all you got to do is this. Yeah. Um, I think for me, uh, a lot of it was just kind of, this sounds like I, I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's almost like a meditative thing, but not, I've never really meditated. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know how to necessarily do that, but like a lot of like trying to process things from an outside perspective while you're just like kind of having that conversation with yourself and your brain, like, okay, well, why do you feel this way? And why do you think it's bad to feel this way? And like, what if it's okay to feel this way? And like sort of questioning all of the reasons why you're bottling things up can sometimes help you go like, oh, it's silly. It's kind of silly to worry about that. Totally. I think my stuff is like, I do all of that analysis really well yeah. and I'm very self-aware about all, all those things. And and I know what I should be doing, quote unquote. Um, But there's a disconnect between knowing it all and then like letting your, you know, your everything else come out. Yeah. Um, um, Cause I can't, I can't sit there and go like, Hey, I know it would be really great if I were to um, let cry. some of this shit go. Yeah, hey, and cry right now. Cry. I, don't, I don't think I ever sat down and was like, "Let's cry." <laughs> it's cry time. But like, no, but but I guess I'm finding certain things like that book yeah. that like I I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, I mean because I've heard other people's stories that are similar, but for some reason, the act of sitting alone and, and reading it on the page just got me. I don't know why, but it, but I need to that. find more things like that. For me, I've felt writing so much feels that way too. If I'm like journaling, 
yeah. a friend of mine was like, you got to journal again. You have to keep doing it because it helps you. And that's something that you got. And that works for me. And I know that a lot of people might be like, I don't have time to journal or whatever. I'm like, take five fucking minutes and write down what you're struggling with. What is, you know, either angering you, making you happy. What are you grateful for? That's super helpful too. Sometimes I'll cry when I'm journaling about what I'm grateful for. Cause I'm like, man, I took this for granted. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I took this for granted. And you're just like, wow. Okay. And then you like, you're like, okay, let's go, let's go make people laugh or whatever. You know, like, I don't know. That's you, yeah. Weird. Do you, have you written stuff that, I mean, comedy stuff that's been feels inspired by any of the experiences you've had? Yeah. There's, um, this pilot that I've been working on for a few years now is actually, um, inspired by my fantasy that my dad would have faked his death. Oh my God. Yeah. So, but but it, it's not a fantasy in the pilot. It's right. for real. Um, and uh, I kept going like, well, you know, I'm experiencing this and I struggled with that. And I had this recurring dream for so long. Like, what if I turned it into something really fun? So um, actually, you got to come check it out. I'm going to do a stage reading of it. Yeah, of course. I'd love to. Um, and uh, the whole premise is like the the dad is, um, you know, in debt which I relate to oh, bankruptcy um, and <laughs> sweet, sweet bankruptcy is yeah. coming. Sweet bankruptcy is coming. And he um, uh, is basically like, you know, there's nothing that he can do except fake his own death. He owns a funeral home, which is perfect for him. He's like, this is exactly the person that needs like, duh. So he convinces his daughter to help him fake his own deaths for insurance money. Amazing. And it's really, really fun and goofy. It's very Arrested Development-esque. Sure. A lot of people are like, it takes place in a funeral home. Are you sure it's a comedy? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty fucking sure. And there's some funny fucking shit. And if you've ever experienced loss and you've been at a funeral and awake for several days, like yeah. there's there comes a point where you can cry no more. And just and, laugh. And there's just like laughter. And you're like, how am I laughing right now? What's going on? <laughs> That's um, so good. I, I've yeah. always, I've, this is the first thing I've done. I guess you could call this creative. I don't know. I, well, of course it's creative. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> well, I guess what I mean is like, I haven't written anything. Okay. Um, humble brag. Uh, is that? <laughs> I don't think so. That's, that's not a, um, yeah, humble insult. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've always been intimidated by trying to do it justice. Yeah, I um, know. Everybody is though. You know, because it's so it's too is. it's too big. Yeah. In order, you know, and I think something like what you've done is really cool because it's not you're not writing the story no. of your dad dying. No, it, that that might have been too difficult for me. I wanted to do something that I think would have been a little lighter. You know what yeah. I mean? Something you have that, that I could homage have fun stuff to him. Yes, there's a little bit of it, but then there's like a lot of fun in it for me. Yeah, it's so know. cool. And you're taking that experience and turning it into something fun and funny. Yeah. Yeah, I so think great. honestly, I swear, not that I didn't appreciate comedy before because I did, and I'm sure you did too. But comedy for me became like not just something that I sought out recreationally; it was a necessity after my dad died. It was like that was literally I had to. That was the thing that kept me alive. Was like 
rewatching Dumb and Dumber. Every yeah. day. Like there was like a point where it was like every single day I'd come home from school and I would watch Dumb and Dumber and be like, I know every word. Okay. I'm just going to like, you, you don't even realize you're like, I need, this is like almost therapy in its own way. Yeah. So weird. But that's probably, I think Robin Williams, RIP. I know. Um, at some point, I remember seeing this a long time ago, but now I'm like, was I making it up? But there might be an interview somewhere that you might find where he talks about great comedians having experienced loss from their parents. And wow. Something very specific. And I remember it resonating and I was like, holy shit. Like, and I had been doing comedy for a little while and I was like, that is so funny and interesting. And it does make sense because you seek it out. You fucking, you need it there. It's a drug for you. You're like, I got to do this. I have to, it, it, it's its own release. Yeah. You know, you, you got to have it. Yeah. I think I, I started doing comedy, um, pretty soon after my mom died. Mm -hmm. Uh, I started doing stand up mm -hmm. in Asheville for not too long. And then I moved to LA. Yeah. I thought I'm going to take over this goddamn <laughs> world with my <laughs> amazing observations. Oh my <laughs> uh, and quickly realized, Oh, I, they were I'm all Asheville specific. All. <laughs> yeah. All your observations. You ever be driving down Asheville streets? Pat Patton Avenue. <laughs> Patton Avenue. <laughs> There's a, on Patton Avenue, they, they had this thing called cruising Patton. So at night, all oh the, like God. all the people with like stunted out cars would yeah. literally just drive up and down the street. And like, yeah. That was sick. Just so sick. And just talking and everybody in the audience being like, what is he talking about? Yeah. Like oh, our baseball team, the single A baseball team for Asheville, our, our mascot is the tourists, which is like what? the least That's worse than the flames. The least intimidating mascot tourists? of all time. Like tourists? Uh -huh. the, the, it was like a little, I think it was a bear. It was like a little bear with a with a shirt that said Asheville on it and a, and a big camera around. I was going to say, you have to have a camera. That's insane. It was so cute. The tourists. Oh. So yeah, just mostly oh. material like that. Mm, um, but I never got to, I never got to the point where I was doing anything super personal. Yeah. But, um, I think if I were to go back to stand up now, I'd try to be more personal, obviously. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I think it, it depends on the person. Like sometimes, I think comedy reads really well when it's personal, when, I don't know, when you've got stories to tell that are really intriguing and interesting and your, your perspective is, is clear in them, but you don't have to hit it over the head. I think that there's something fun about that. Um, and a lot of people, especially now are very like hung up on like, this is what makes me unique and here's why I'm here and I'm qualified to be here. And let me tell you everything about me. And they spend like the first five or 10 minutes of their set. I've been watching a lot of stand up because I'm like, I need to get back into it too. And I really enjoy it. And I'm like, I get why you feel the need to do that because so many people are like, why you make it personal. Tell mm -hmm. me why you deserve to be up there. Yeah. But it isn't until they get all that shit out of the way and they start actually having fun that it becomes really engaging. So I'm trying to like figure out what that second part of those things, like what, what's that version of my, like, or what's my version of that. And I love observational stuff. I absolutely love that stuff or like even one liners and weird, yeah, weird shit I, like that. I could that. see you being a great one liner oh. comic. <laughs> I love one liners. <laughs> They're so dumb. Um, but like, I, uh, I very much want to be able to have that, 
honest stand-up too, where it's not just me delivering this. And uh, the first like dozen times I did stand-up, it was super fun, but I was in character. It was all one-liners. Yeah. You know, and and that was like great, but it wasn't me. Do you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, oh, I could see what else, like, oh, I want to build a show around her. You know what I mean? The people who do it and they work from a personal place are the ones that are, you're like, ah, yeah, person. I, that's a unique perspective. Totally. And that's what's, I think, I think that's tough being vulnerable enough to do that, Yeah. you know, but also not, not making it too personal. Right. Whereas you like going back to like not feeling you're just exploiting your experience in a gross way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm always scared of doing that. Yeah. As we wrap up, what, uh, I, 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 in the earlier, a few episodes, like people would talk, uh, it happened to organically come up that people were talking about songs that meant a lot to their, sure. them and their dad or mom or whatever. Um, and then now I'm just asking, like, if I could play a song in the beginning of this, what would it, oh, do you have a song that I means do, a lot? And it's really it gonna cheesy. Be perfect. Um, <laughs> I'm going to write it down so I don't forget. Oh, you won't forget. It's so cheesy. It was my, my dad's favorite musician was Eric Clapton. Great. And is it tears in heaven? Yes, tears in heaven. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Which of course is so sad because that's about his son. Very, very sad. Um, but uh I definitely have listened to that. Every time I hear that song, I cry. I mean every single time. I cried. You everyone cries during that song. I don't yeah. even think I you need any every song. People start singing happy birthday, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> We're a year older. <laughs> my dad's dead. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, you're yeah. going to have to cry when you hear this then. Okay. Are, you're not playing it right now. I'm not playing it. Okay. No, no. Good. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't need to know. No, do I don't right want to make you cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, thank you so much. Thank for you. Doing this. I really, this, this is amazing. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to stop it now. You ready? Well, um, I, yeah. I'm I ready now. We'll go Google your credit score. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I got to figure that. Google my credit score. It's readily available. <laughs> Just Google my name and you'll find my credit score. Okay. Bye. Oh, it's 851. <laughs>